You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. You may have heard that two heads are better than one, but did you know that two hearts are also better than one? Today, we are talking about the one and only The Doctor, Doctor Who. Uh, we're going to be discussing the many specials that they have, what our favorite specials are, going from the Christmas specials to the other specials. It should be a really fun time. Um, that being said, we are the priest to the geeks, and that just means we're going to be mediating between this Doctor Who geek culture and some philosophy, theology stuff. So buckle up. It'll be a really fun ride with that. And if you want to hear more of us diving into this stuff, you can always go to patreon.com forward slash systematic ecology. We have a few other bonus episodes where we talk about this kind of stuff. We have a D&D session that goes every other week on there, as well as a comic book catch up that we do each month to tell you guys about the comics we've been reading. I am Joshua Knoll. I'm one of the co-hosts here, as well as a co-host of the Whole Church Podcast and a fourth-year biblical study student at North Greenville University, trying to finish up and pulling out my hair as I do, which is bad because I'm already balding. And what I've been geeking out on recently is honestly just a lot of stuff. But one is Our Flag Means Death on HBO. And man, it's pirate comedy. It is hilarious. And as a huge pirate geek, I don't if you've been listening, you know, I am obsessed with pirate lore, pirate history. And it fascinates me how accurate they get Steed Bonnet in this show. And it's one of those where I'm like, yeah, we don't talk about Steed Bonnet because his story is absurd, which makes it just perfect and ripe for a comedy. It's a great show. Uh, Joe, what's what's going on with you? Uh, so I am Joe. I am a podcaster, broadcaster, and I want to set the table for today's discussion by breaking cafe <laughs> just a little bit. We just got done in real time recording the Captain Planet episode. If you've already listened to it, if it's already come out or what have you, otherwise spoilers, we're doing an episode on Captain Planet. <laughs> and the general tone and theme of that was one that was coming from a more united front. And it's kind of strange that Josh and I went through an entire <laughs> episode and didn't really have any major division points. I can promise you guys, we're talking about Doctor Who. The same story is not going to be true for this episode. Yeah, I am. I, I don't know if I'm as passionate about Doctor Who as I am Captain Planet, but I'm certainly more opinionated. So that lends itself to some fun and strong disagreements. But we'll we'll try and keep it uh, some neat and tidy disagreements for all of you guys. Um, I'm guessing that today, if you pay attention, you will receive a masterclass in why Josh is Josh with the bad opinions. Oh, see, that, that's just that just hurts. That hurts. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, TJ and his friends, one of our other hosts, uh, they've been calling me that for years. I just own it these days. I have bad opinions. Get ready for them. That being said, it is time for us to talk about Doctor Who specials. And um, the reason we're doing this is because recently, recently, uh, the new Doctor Who special, I think it's the Return of the Sea Devils. Um, I know it has to do with the Sea Devils. It just came out on Easter Day. And I tell you, it's one of those times where I hear pirates, I hear space, I hear Doctor Who, sci-fi. And, you know, I just told you guys, I love pirates. My hopes are high. And they were dashed again from the showrunner. 
What's his Chris? Chris, what's his name? What's I don't I don't know how to Chris Chimlin. You he has he has torn my heart to shreds the last three years. <laughs> Doctor Who was just my favorite TV show, and I just don't like what he's done for the most part. With one exception of the revolution of the Daleks that came out for New Year's, I did really enjoy that. But for the most part, I was excited for there to be a girl doctor even. I'm like, that's an interesting twist. And I was worried about it being all agenda. And I don't think it was all agenda, but I do think it was all kind of garbage, which is worse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I, none of that surprises me. All things considered, you know what? I didn't necessarily have enough invested passion one way or the other to care about whether or not they were going to do a female doctor. So whatever, if it's a good story, tell a good story about a female doctor. That's awesome. Unfortunately, they failed consecutively at doing that over and over again. And I know that there is a contingent of Doctor Who fans that are up in arms right now. I watched a little bit of the beginning absolute garbage and then i decided to go back on this experiment when we first started the <laughs> show and watch through part uh or uh the uh uh season premiere of the the season premiere special at the time back in november it was just a, a reminder of everything that and oddly parroting uh star wars i don't know that was strange to me yeah but to hear that the newest one, which I can confidently tell you I have not watched, uh, <laughs> is more hot garbage than this is my shock face. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to did you watch the revolution of the Daleks? I did. I did. Yeah, it was it was one of those classic time loop kind of episodes, which is very overdone, but I enjoyed it. What did, did you did you have any particular feelings about it? So I would I would tend closer to the first half of that than the second half of that. Um, you know, it it has been done better elsewhere. Yeah. To me, that wasn't necessarily endearing. To me, that was more of the same, just felt the same, and just like a reductionist presentation of something that, like I said, was done better elsewhere. Yeah, I get that. I, I I just happen to like time loop episodes, so it's hard to go wrong. And it, it's not even a, I think they did great at it or anything. It's just a, hey, I kind of like this format. It's the Doctor. They didn't mess anything up with the storyline. That's a win with this guy, <laughs> you know? And that really is with this, with this era, and that's the sad thing is like, I'll tell you, Doctor Who, when done right, is some of the most intriguing, powerful, entertaining storytelling that exists in media. There's a reason why there's a whole mess of us that are just kind of along for the ride during the wilderness years until it gets good again. You know, kind of half half keeping an eye on the uh, temperature of the fandom, waiting for that big resurgence moment of, oh, it's good again. Because, like I said, when it's good, it is phenomenal. But when it's bad, as any fan will tell you, wow, is it some of the worst storytelling that can happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want that. Um, so to catch everybody up, let's catch everybody up first. In case you haven't been intimately following Doctor Who, um, there was classic Doctor Who that started back in the 60s. It ran forever. Um, you get your first eight Doctors through it. Well, seven and a half, I guess. Uh, the eighth was his own movie special that was kind of in between classic and modern Doctor Who. Um, and what happens with the Doctor? He dies, he regenerates. It's the same person, just new face. Yeah. Um, which is why a female Doctor was kind of controversial. He had been a male for 12 generations, and all of a sudden, this regeneration, he's a female. It wasn't a transgender thing, though, because they're aliens, and that's just apparently how genders work with that species. Different right. topic. That being said, when it came back, uh, Russell T. Davies was the showrunner. He had Christopher Eccleston as the ninth doctor. Then he had David Tennant at the 10th. After that, you have Stephen Moffat. He was the showrunner with uh, Matt Smith playing the doctor. And then Peter Capaldi. I don't think he was ever for Jody, right? Jody came in with the a new showrunner. Yeah. And his name was, all you know is hot garbage. So, <laughs> Christopher, Christopher Chimmel. Yeah, he came in with um, Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor. Um, Russell T. Davies and David Tennant is why we both love the show. David Tennant was the 10th Doctor, sort of the 11th, if you count the War Doctor. Um, that's just a, if you know, you know. If you don't, hey, sorry. Um, <laughs> but David Tennant, Russell T. Davies, those three seasons in the specials blew everything out of the water. Just fantastic storytelling. Some of the best I've seen on TV just ever. I, I love the stories of those years and the passion that David Tennant is able to portray. Great. Yeah. I'll leave that as it is. We will talk about the specials. <laughs> the first special, and, and this is, it's hard to define this as the first special, but the first special is the Christmas Invasion. It was with uh, Russell T. Davies, being the showrunner, David Tennant being the 10th Doctor. It's his first episode as the Doctor. Um, the reason that's considered the first special really is because in Classic Who, there wasn't seasons. It was, we have the story we want to tell, and there will be however many episodes it takes to tell that story. So when it does stuff like the five Doctors, which I loved, that wasn't considered a special. It was just that, that's how, just how they did the show. They didn't do it in seasons then. Now right. that we do it seasons, you open up the possibility of specials, First one being season's over, but we want to introduce this new doctor, the 10th doctor with David Tennant, and we're going to do it as a Christmas special called The Christmas Invasion. Um, Joe, what was what was your introduction to that particular episode? Um, so I watched through uh, New Who well after the fact. I watched through it with my wife, and so, so I, I had an opportunity to see this in the full presentation of how, of the storyline of the story arc from one to another. I didn't have to wait or anything like that. Um, my biggest issue is probably going to be where the conversation starts to, <laughs> the opinions start to diverge. The, the hardest thing to watch in this is Rose and her entire family and that whole presentation. I think that David Tennant plays... How do I say this? I think David Tennant plays his part in it as the newly regenerated Doctor. 
having now like like having this blank slate and the way he he does his progressing into the role kind of stepping crawling into he doesn't just burst onto the scene and is is fully formed in his execution you see almost the birthing process of Mm -hmm. the character in a lot of regards and to me i think that is what drives the story i throw in the little rose thing because if you know anything (laughs) about josh and i we have very different opinions of the quality of character of rose tyler but i think outside of that you can literally take out everything else about this you could take out rose you could take out her family you could take out (laughs) mickey you can replace all of them and you just off of the merits of what david Tennant does in this episode you can still keep his things and build something entirely different around it and and it, it will it will still be what it is because of david Tennant. Yeah. So I will be clear that I agree in part of David Tennant is what makes the show. You could deal with pretty much anything, have everything else cut out and just be, you could probably have three seasons of David Tennant in the TARDIS just being stuck. And it would still be phenomenal because he is just that good. But I love Rose Tyler. I love her family. It's just these fully felt fleshed out characters, unique personalities, that hey yes they're all slightly annoying but they're all people that i'm like i know someone like that in real life i know families like that and it's something that i have a connection point with that helps me relate to the larger than life character that is david Tennant as the dark doctor and i would argue not today but i would argue that david Tennant's doctor the 10th doctor in rose's love story is possibly the greatest love story of all time phenomenal stuff uh if you look at like just what it means to be a good love story as far as characters that are well defined easy to relate to a situation that's larger than life and them overcoming that and ending up together that that checks all the boxes but so <laughs> to get I knew you weren't whole... gonna let me just just oh, no. leave that out there <laughs> oh, definitely not. to get the full experience of this conversation stay tuned because that's coming down the pike but (laughs) the last shove that i'll give in this is that you have a centuries old nigh deity in their universe who is in love with a whiny, obsessed <laughs> teenager. It's creepy. It's weird. It's it's the add-on to an otherwise wonderful sci-fi romp. And I'm not even saying, you know what? Honestly, if you take that out, if you take the love story portion out, honestly, so much of Rose Tyler's story arc becomes uh, bearable. But where it absolutely falls to pieces is this whole idea of, no, where it starts to fall to pieces <laughs> is the idea of the love the, the, the love angle. Where it completely falls apart is the execution 
of the love angle. That is who, but I, so, so Josh, I'm going to ask you, this is, I, I understand what we just did to one another. And I know, I know how bad you want to, you want to retort, but I really want to leave this as a preview session for people to get, to get people to tune into the Patreon episode where we go at it. I'll just say one thing, one thing I, I, I will say, I personally feel as though part of the intent was that the age and the weirdness of it all was the largest obstacle to their love. I think they addressed that by adding in a different character in a very unique way that to me solves the issue to Joe does not. And if you want to hear why, again, we will do that another day. <laughs> is that, is that an okay place to leave them? Do you need to push back one more time? No, no. Okay. That's... Cause I, we could, we could push back and forth all day on this one. Trust us. That being said, this was a special episode. When David Tennant is appearing, like he said, it's it's kind of a birthing process. He's slowly making an appearance here and there. He hasn't right. fully recovered from the fact that he died. He's coming back. Um, and when he comes up, it's just random one-liners here and there. You're like, this guy's kind of funny. I want to see more. And it's as if the, the showrunner knew that this was going to be the greatest doctor of all time. So he wanted to tease us, tease us, tease us. And then you get more than halfway through the episode before he shows up, quotes the Lion King, and kills the bad guy. <laughs> and it's just, I, when I say gold, I mean that moment when he first fully is awake up till the end of that episode, that's some of the best TV out there. Like that was chef's kiss. Yeah. I love that. I, I think. Yeah. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, Quotes the Lion King. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so yeah. that being said, that was not the only special. Uh, that was the first of many Christmas specials that were eventually turned into New Year's specials. They started doing New Year's instead. Um, there are also other specials, but I think the ones that really stand out to a lot of people are the Christmas and New Year specials. Joe, did you have any of those specials that really stood out to you that were holiday related? Yeah, so the next one in line which is the runaway bride which sees the introduction oh. of i'll say it the single greatest companion of <laughs> the modern era of doctor who donna noble herself um and, and i think that overall this to me felt more like a sci-fi romp than an interpersonal sort of presentation like the previous one did. For better or for worse, like it or not, what you saw was personality and humanity and relationship and that aspect of Doctor Who's storytelling. In The Runaway Bride, while there was some of that, this felt more like a ridiculous sci-fi romp. And to me, Donna Noble, while this might not be her very best performance, I think she gets better as the ser as her time on the series uh, goes on. I do think that for me, the energy that she brings to it, especially when you take the lovesick puppy dog nonsense <laughs> away and you juxtapose it, with somebody who's like, I don't 
I'm not impressed by you. You know what I mean? But while still being intrigued, but without mm. this lovesick puppy dog nonsense, I think that is what so compels the story for me. And when you take into consideration what the character of Donna Noble becomes along the way, this, I think, is the perfect introduction to her character. I agree with most of what he said. Uh, ironically, Rose is not my favorite companion. Donna is absolutely my least favorite, and I'm including Classic Who. I cannot stand Donna, <laughs> which really, I don't think it's because she's not fleshed out or anything like that. She just annoys me. I mean, it's not even like really like an opinion as much as it's a, you know, that, that kind of person just gets on my nerves. Right. Um, that's interesting, though. I, I honestly, I forgot about that special. <laughs> Which is ironic because there are some really bad specials that I remember. And since we're in the year of Lewis, I do want to ask you, what did you think about the Narnia special with Matt Smith when they did the Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe as a Christmas special? Um, yeah, I think I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eh, it happened, you know, <laughs> that's a thing that they did. And I get it. It's a British TV show. It's Lewis. I understand. I, I get why they did it. It happened. Okay, and now we move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think what's funny is I think part of this, it's two different sides of where I feel like for you, you love Narnia so much that it was hard to appreciate a, a, a lesser spin on it. I will say it was just lesser of quality. And as for me, I don't care enough about Narnia for me to care about that episode that I was like, okay, why are we doing this? Um, right. Yeah, I, especially when you consider some of the other readaptations that have happened over the years. Yeah. BBC being the one that sticks out in my mind. There's animated ones. There are better renditions of the story than that. And while they weren't trying to be a faithful adaptation, there is still a category for well done reimaginings, I guess is a good way of putting it. So there were still that they had room to put forward a really good product using that particular piece of source material. I just think categorically on every single level they failed. Yeah. The one that I think inspired them to try and do that, because they, they did another different spin of an old classic. And this was my favorite for a very long time until more recently. Um, why can't I think of what this one's called? Um, the Fish Planet. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Oh, it's a Christmas Carol. Duh. That's literally the name of the episode. Oh, they do yeah. a Christmas Carol with the Scrooge. And, you know, it's a lot of time travel shenanigans to kind of show him, you know, past, present, future, but with a different spin. And honestly, I think the cool part was there was a flying shark and it felt more Christmassy than any of the other Christmas episodes. Like they really honed in on the Christmas spirit, which, you know, we're in May. Y'all don't care about Christmas spirit, but guess what? <laughs> Actually, we're in April. I don't know my months, guys. Anyway, um, <laughs> was there any other Christmas or New Year specials that stood out to you? Yeah. So when when you look at the best and worst doctors to <laughs> me 
that's almost like a separate conversation from the best and worst aspects, you know, yeah. the best and worst uh, companions or TARDIS designs or uh, doctor's um, specials. So and screwdriver designs. This current one's stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Agreed. So I think when when looking at uh, a, a an actor like if we're by if we're bypassing the specials that are outside of Christmas and New Year's, if we're just looking at the more Christmas themed ones, I think the um, the Twelfth Doctor's first special, The Last Christmas. While he's not the best Doctor, I think that is one of those unsung Christmas specials when you're looking at... uh, This was in 2014. Uh, Claire discover awakes to discover Santa Claus on her rooftop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think... A few times that I'm actually a fan of Claire. I think Claire is good in certain and in certain ways at certain times, but I think overall she's got some issues. I my complaint with Claire is I think she was too likable. <laughs> like I want the companion to at least be a little bit annoying because it makes the doctor stand out more. They made Claire they tried too hard to make Claire cool. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the, the companion's not supposed to be cool. You're supposed to be Rory. Rory is the ideal companion. Um <laughs> He's not even my favorite, but I do think he's the ideal companion because he wasn't in love with the doctor and he was just annoying enough. Right. And that's exactly why I am such a fan of Mickey over Rose. I think you get rid of Rose. Fine. Mickey should have been the the uh, companion that whole time. Get rid of Rose's Rose all, all together and just have Mickey's uh, character arc. I, I think that would have completely and totally changed up the dynamic for the better yeah there so that was me that was me pushing back one more time and now we'll keep on moving no i love i love mickey especially his alternate dimension stuff super cool also if you could combine amy and rory as one companion like if you just included them as one because they're married that would be my favorite companion i love them and I, I got to say, as much as I don't like Matt Smith's Doctor, the 11th Doctor, I think overall his Christmas specials are better. He is more geared to the Christmas fun, Christmas spirit. He's great at that. But my all-time favorite holiday special, um, it's one of the 12th Doctors, Peter Capaldi, who I, I love him as the Doctor. Um, and he finishes the storyline of him and River Song, one of the other, I don't know, would you consider River a companion of the Doctor? Um, not in the show. In, um, in the audio uh, books, she gets more of a companion spot. We get to see more stories between the Doctor and River. Nice. Well, uh, long story short, she ends up becoming a Time Lord because of how she is born. Her parents are kind of a it's a twist. So I don't want to I don't want to give that away. Super cool. Um, But anyway, she regenerates a few times and her love story with the doctor. What's interesting about it is the doctor's first time seeing her is her last time seeing the doctor and vice versa. 
So this is this special. It's called the Husbands of River Song. She basically fake marries a bunch of people. She's scheming people. She's out there doing the mischievous stuff. And the doctor runs into her, but he has a new face that she hasn't seen yet. This ends up being the last time she sees the doctor, and they both know it once it's revealed that he's the doctor. Because for a while, she's doing all this stuff thinking, it's a good thing that my real husband's not here. And it's like, uh, little do you know, he's right there. Anyway, it gets to the end. Once she realizes, and she's so upset, he takes her to her last dinner. I am going to give away part of this episode, the part that I really enjoyed, because it was so hard to have a good end to this story that I was impressed with how they did it. So they, they knew this was their last night. So what does the doctor do other than be clever? That's what he does. He's clever. <laughs> he takes her to their last dinner and she's like, what? Just a restaurant? That's it? He's like, one last night together. Do you know how long nights last on this planet? I forget how long it was, but it's like hundreds of years or something. Just absolutely absurd. <laughs> it's like, so this is our last night together. And man, that little, just that little bit of cleverness, that little bit of sci-fi twist at the end. I was like, this this was good. It just, it was a happy feels good ending to a good Christmas special and a good love story. See, I wouldn't have labeled that as a holiday special. I guess I see it, but if, if we are labeling that as a holiday special, like for me, it depends on when you ask between the Donna Noble introduction and this, as far as which one is my favorite. I think that, honestly, part of why I didn't like the love story between Rose and the Doctor is because shortly thereafter, we were introduced to the love story between the Doctor and River. And I'm like, this is the money. Do you need to forget about the nonsense of the of the companions? I don't think the companions should ever be romantically interested in the doctor. I think that that is not a storytelling mechanic that works in any way, shape, or form. I think every single time it has sucked horrifically. That's part of what makes Donna Noble so good, and the and, and honestly, that's part of what makes River so good. Is it's something different and set apart from the companions. It's special in its execution. And maybe that's all of the reason why you shouldn't do River as a full-on season-long companion. But honestly, give me River and Peter Capaldi for an entire season, and I'm good. Like yeah. that, that, to me is the perfect combination. Don't get me wrong. I think I enjoyed aspects of River with other doctors, but when looking at them together, to yeah. me, River and Peter Capaldi fit. Yeah. And so that, to me, this, I, I, that scene with oh, yeah. them on the balcony and she's, pissed and he's just got this wry smile <laughs> and all this stuff like I just think that that may be shot for shot the best shot of Doctor Who yeah, the best it. scene of Doctor Who that you can get I I being the absurd guy that I am I woke up early that Christmas morning because I was like I'm going to watch this before anyone else is awake and can speak during it because I want to see 
I love Doctor Who. I want to see this Christmas specials before anyone else can speak because I, the Christmas specials were my favorite until they started making them New Year specials. And now I'm like, eh. I remember waking up early for that and then I knew it was River Song and I was so excited. And when that came on and you just see how mad she was thinking that he wasted their last night and then him just gritted like, oh, yeah, <laughs> man, it's fantastic. I think the only reason I don't consider their love story better than Tenet and Roses is simply because so much of River Song's love story with the doctor was during Matt Smith. And he's just he's just not a compelling character for me. And I can't see him being romantically involved with anyone because he's just too goofy. Um, that being said, I'll say to me, Rose and the doctor was a really epic love story, but this one was far more magical. Like there was something just magical about, I don't know what other word fits. Right. Golden stuff. But there were, I don't know if you knew this, there were specials that weren't Christmas or new year's did. (laughs) In fact, I would argue some of the best ones were not Christmas or new year's specials. Um, particularly David Tennant's run ended with three big specials. And now Jodie Whittaker is going to try to end with three big specials. First one was good. Not great. Second one was bad. (laughs) Not a surprise. We'll see how the third one goes when it comes up. How about the specials that aren't Christmas or New Year's? These other specials, uh, does anything stand out to you? So this is, if I had to build my top five, then on my top five would be the end of time parts one and two. I think the next doctor is honestly yeah. eye rolling. It's fine. It's whatever. It, yeah. it is. It, what it, it is. happened. It existed. Yeah, it's, it's a thing that existed. Fine. But that two part, the end of time, I thought for me is some of the single best Doctor Who storytelling that there is. And we don't get out of this part of it without talking about um, Wilford. Or Wilford. <laughs> I think yeah. Man. Dichotomy between those two, just the. I, I struggled to find. I, it made me want an entire season of those two companioning together you know what i mean yeah the the only downfall to this for me was i started watching halfway through season two of david Tennant being the doctor no idea that the doctor regenerated so when this happened i was very very angry (laughs) i was like who is this guy who is this matt smith get him off the screen and i felt that way for the next three years um (laughs) but i uh yeah there's something about that episode it is one of the most emotionally wrenching things on TV. Also, I'll argue one of the, without it being an analogy, one of the clearest examples of what the gospel really is. When I see David Tennant as the doctor with the, I don't want to die. You know, I'm thinking of Jesus praying in the garden. Like if you can take this cup from me, Lord. Right. And David Tennant, I don't want to die. Wilfred is, locked in the cage and the only way to let him out is for him to get locked in the other cage and give up his life knowing that he's going to regenerate with a new life i'm like man i i don't understand it was definitely not the show's intention but i have no idea how you can watch that and not think of the savior who came saw that we imprisoned ourselves that we got ourselves in a trap where we are going to suffer death and say i don't want to die dies even though we know he knows he's going to come back dies comes back 
man, is it powerful. He even has the scene afterwards, after before he regenerates, where he goes and tells all of his old friends bye and everything, where I'm like, Jesus and the disciples, perhaps? <laughs> Again, not an analogy, but it's hard for me as a Christian to watch that and not think of the Jesus story. Right. It's definitely by no means allegorical or anything like that. But I think when you look at these different IPs and you realize there's only so many stories that can be told and the story that did it first is the gospel story the 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 source of truth is what it is that when you look at these different adaptations of stories you see the fingerprints of truth permeating throughout media regardless of if it's intentional or not it you know all of these different concepts have a beginning and that beginning is jesus and so yeah it's it's almost like a like a funny token thing when not token but token <laughs> thing for us to find the religious hook because we're a Christian geek show and all of that kind of stuff. But the reality is once you pull, once, once you pull out the, the joke of it all, the reality is that what you're seeing is an on-screen adaptation of a much larger truth that extends well out from what this is portraying, this concept that this is portraying. And yeah, that that absolutely stands to, and I think that's part of what is so compelling about it, right? Some track with me here. Something that is so unknowingly powerful to those around it that he is not subject to any, he doesn't have to be subject to anything that's happening. But in an act of just sacrificial love not that and anything else but sacrificial love and subjects himself to something to, to something horrific and then has the moment of the flesh i don't want to die yeah what was just to pile on to that what was really cool about this two-part special is even in the beginning he's talking about how yeah when i die i feel it, it i feel death and to know that he went through that on purpose for a single individual who arguably is of a lesser race of significantly less, like he's not an important person, which I think even David Tennant points that out. It's like you, you're not even, but he just loves people so much that he couldn't help but make that sacrifice. Right. And then to take this off of the serious tone that we're on and ruin it for a second you see a glimpse of Gallifrey that still exists with the Time Lords, and they proceed to not touch that story at all for three years of Matt Smith being the Doctor. And that is also just part of what infuriates me so much, is that this special shows you Gallifrey's still out there, and then they go, nope, we're not going to touch that. I just, that was infuriating stuff to me. Yeah. But not the point. The point <laughs> is that we see this sacrifice, we see this love, and... One of my one of my when we're going to specials that aren't Christmas specials, I, I would have to mention the Planet of the Dead. That was always one of my favorites. 
it was a standalone on itself. It had a lot of fun of, you know, he got excited because he meet, met someone named Alonzo. Alonzo in his fate in his saying, I think he likes to say is Alonzi, which is let's go in French. He's like Alonzi, Alonzo. And he had all this fun. And it's who the doctor is. He's love, joy, peace. That's who the doctor is. Might sound familiar. And they get stuck with this bus load of people in the middle of nowhere. And he goes in knowing again, knowing that he might die because he knows his death is coming. Knowing that he might die, he goes in there prepared to sacrifice to get these people out. And I love that story. Maybe not as much as when he actually makes the sacrifice, but I want to say with the doctor, you know, we started off with a joke of two hearts are better than one, but I think this is what makes the doctor great. It's that he loves people. He's always willing to make that sacrifice. A good doctor who story is a redemption story and a sacrifice story. Is that, would you say the same thing as like, as far as your greatest specials, are they typically ones that kind of involve those themes? Yeah, it's one of the two. if not. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of those where physically he has two hearts, and I I couldn't imagine them not doing that because it's kind of a nod to who the character is. Like, I think that was an intentional, yeah, it's part of his physical whatever, but also it was a nod of who this character is. And uh, yeah, Joe, you couldn't couldn't have said it better. It's all about that sacrifice because of love for people. We're still recovering from the Easter season right now. And that just sits with me so heavy knowing Jesus felt death. It's not like his death was insignificant. He felt nothing because he's God and just went down and won the end. He felt death for us. And I think that's part of, you know, we like to show the gory parts of the beatings and all that, but we forget that he literally felt death. I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think that that's part of why I'm not the biggest fan of um, Passion of the Christ, is it's so fixated on doing the blood, guts, and gore of it all, and doesn't sit in the fact that this is a, this is a being that does not have to experience this, that is experiencing this. This is a being that that is just out of pure sacrifice doing this and that to me you you're getting focused on the wrong thing i get it 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 was a horrific thing i get it i understand the significance behind showing it but that's not the most important part and that's what i think some of the way that tenant displayed the the killing blow if you will that's part of what what made it so resonant is it wasn't that it didn't have the gore to take away from the emotionalism it wasn't displaying this horrific death it was all about the emotional depths hmm. of the situation yeah and that's one where Yes, the story is not about Christ. It's not about the gospel or anything like that. But if you hear how David Tennant delivers that line, I don't want to die. And you put it into this context and you really think about the the weight of that. I, that should do something to your heart. 
that, you know, I'm not saying that if it doesn't, something's wrong with you, you know, but for me, that does something to, it steers in my soul something deeper than what's there. Well, it should, because that's the very, that's the very fabric of what makes us human. You're, t- you're hitting on a theme that humans themselves um, feel all the time. And so you you that's and and honestly at that at that point that is exactly what makes it so emotionally heavy and and so resonant to to think of the gospel story because he understood what it meant to feel death you know what i mean and that the statement of that in the in the way that he that he said it, the presentation, the whole nine yards, was was just you you felt that. That's something that that many of us have had to wrestle with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, this is this is literally why we do this show. <laughs> this is literally it. Where we're talking about something geek and we see this parallel into the true gospel story. And the thing is, and, and this is, uh, y'all might be noticing, this is me breaking the fourth wall. You, you guys might be noticing this. This emotional depth, this moment that everything else centers on of Christ's sacrifice. Yes, we see it in this story. It's something that Joe and I don't want to move on from. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's like we could have said our bit, said, okay, time to wrap up. We don't want to leave without the significance of this really experiencing it like even us talking about it right now i'm looking at joe's face on here going this is something that we need to feel right now and i'm hoping if you're listening to this that you're able to just truly sit in the feeling of that for a minute because it's something worth feeling and and all of those things that you are feeling that's good that you're feeling that means that there's weight there that means there's significance there. And I think it's criminal to blow past that for something different. Because the reality is, is that each one of us can relate to aspects of this on a very, very human level. Each one of us has a part of this that in us that that inherently looks at looks at the reality of mortality. It's what it's what makes us human we are aware of our own mortality and when you see this character that has been presented as powerful and capable all of these kinds of things to break down the walls of bravado because part of when you're when you're leading up to it is is he's out of pocket right he's he's he heard about this and it's something snapped inside of him that he is the one that's going to cheat death. He's the one that's going to overcome. And that's why we get into the fact that this is not like a, like a, an allegorical story or anything like that, because there's a lot of lead up and a lot of aspects of this that are absolutely not yeah. in line with what scripture, how scripture would be, would present it. It's just the idea and, and almost like echoes, right? When the truth is spoken, there are echoes of the truth that resonate throughout the situation, throughout history in this case. And that's what we're seeing here. It's an echo of 
a much larger truth that uh, of this this figure that had no re or had had no reason other than pure love and sacrifice to do to, to do that to do, to do to face down death and feel death not face it down and then didn't feel anything and nothing happened and i think sometimes you know we're coming off the heels of easter i think sometimes that's how the the holy week narrative goes but i i, I posted this in, in in the buddy walk community and, and I, i've told people like we, we talked about this in, in in session and all that kind of stuff like saturday don't don't go don't go past that let yourself sit there let yourself feel the weight of what is happening and that not to bring this down onto like a somber note or whatever because there's a whole other part of the conversation that we just had on sunday and that we can have and all of those kinds of things the, the, the story continues from this point but allowing these themes to wash over you is very very important especially when you plug concepts into how does this make me feel in the large scale? How does this make me feel in application layer? And all of those kinds of things. When, when you explore this out from just analyzing this one piece of media into what does me wrestling with this mean? What does this, what, why, why is this thing making me feel a certain way? Then the doors are open for you to start asking a whole lot of questions that are very pertinent for the human to ask and yeah. so you you can find contact details on on socials and such and such you can get in touch with us if you need somebody to, to talk that out with and all that kind of stuff none of us are trained therapists or anything like that will might be given he's a long-standing pastor but we have pastors we have laymen we have we have people that are willing to discuss these things with you and, and talk about those things and all of those kinds of things. But regardless of that portion of it, still at the end of the day, you need to ask the questions, man, this is, this makes me feel, why does this make me feel? What about this makes me feel? And that, if you let it, opens the door to a whole new world of conversations and to break the ice of detention editors note that moment needs a backing track of a whole new world from Aladdin. i'm just saying <laughs> i um i i want to say i think this is the most compelling argument for the gospel it's not a lot of the here's why evolution isn't real it's not a lot of the answers in genesis kind of stuff sorry to call you guys out but there's there's a place for all of those arguments, right? There is a place for a logical argument that Jesus did exist. There's a place for all of that. But that to me is not the most compelling argument for the gospel. The most compelling argument is why on earth would humans have this huge admiration for someone else sacrificing out of love? Because it is illogical. There is not – you can't follow any strain and say – you know, a lot of stuff you can. Like uh, there's a reason we think – theft is bad because social Darwinism and, you know, that would be bad for the community. So that dies out until, you know, the good communities left are those that it, you cannot tell me that it is logical or that it in some way evolved where we think, yep, sacrifice, that's a good thing. 
You, you cannot convince me of that. Right. And we're in a year of C.S. Lewis right now. We're going through Narnia. And here's a preview. We're going to talk about the voyage of the Don Treader. And I told you guys, Narnia is not my favorite story. Not because it's bad. It just it's not something I super got involved in. But there is a moment in that story where Lucy, I think it's Lucy, finds this book. And Aslan's explanation of how this story resonates throughout dimensions, throughout time, that is just the most powerful truth in the universe. Yeah. And now that we've thrown out the most powerful thing in the universe, hey, Joe, do you want to push right through this and get to a wrap-up? Exterminate! Oh, man. Yep. I just didn't know how to do that. Yeah, so hard, hard transition time. Yeah, you know, in, in bringing this plane in for a landing, you know, I, I think when it comes to Doctor Who, you know, if you've never, if you've never watched Doctor Who, or if you're looking for recommendations or what have you, um, you know, you start with David Tennant and go from yeah. there. Christopher Eccleston, I think, catches a bad rap. He is absolutely my second favorite Doctor. I think his one season is phenomenal i just think he's a yeah. he's a wonderful wonderful actor that being said it's very short that being said it tends to get overshadowed by david Tennant and matt smith and but but if you're looking for um you know to, if you're a completionist start with christopher eccleston but i think if you're going to start with the one that you're likely going to like the most you go with david Tennant, and and just invest in some ridiculous storytelling because it's it not every single solitary story hits but man are there more when it is good it is great you know what i mean and especially when you look at the storytelling that is contained in a lot of these christmas specials i think the 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 all of these specials bring something to the table not every single something is great some <laughs> of it's fair to midland and some of them just plain suck but each one of them brings a storytelling to the table that you can at least get invested in on some level yeah the great thing about doctor who is it is whimsical it's fun but it does it always brings you back to asking bigger questions and it seems like it's pretty intentional about that um for my recommendation, completely not Doctor Who related, I want to tell you guys, if you haven't read the Gwynverse comics, uh, right now only one issue is out. We're going to be doing an episode about the second issue when it releases because we kind of have a little bit of insider, we know what's going to be in there kind of stuff. So be ready for that episode when we release it at the end of this month. Um, actually, issue two should come out by the time this episode is released. So check it out. Gwynverse, fantastic read. And that being said, Joe, if people, we already said, if, if you guys want to talk to us more about these themes or about anything personal or emotional, you can reach us on our website, on our Facebook group. Um, we also both have our own podcast where we kind of get into some of these deeper topics like that, purely from the Christian standpoint. Um, Joe, where can they go to hear your other show and what else you do? So I am on the air live live six seven seven days a week at either Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road on all of the socials. You will be able to find me. Yeah, and uh, I do the whole church podcast. We just talk about church unity and what the church is up to today. Um, we're about to go record an episode of that right now, actually, where Joe is going to be guesting. So. 
guys, go check that out. Uh, wherever you're listening now, just look up the whole church podcast. Or again, you can go to systematicgeekology.org, hit host. There's a drop down menu. You can click on any of our names, it has everything we do right there. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.